LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning, Steve Allen here with you on this lovely, cold Sunday morning, bringing you my best bits from the week. Coming up in an hour, I'll be in conversation with singer and actress Toya, who tells us about her very unorthodox marriage arrangement, and actress Linda Robson, who'll be talking about how her family was affected by the tragic death of Ben Kinsella five years ago. But first, let's have my favourite bits of the week. And we had our not-so-favourite TV host and celebrity interviewer back in the limelight again. You can always tell when Piers Drogan has got another boring guest on the programme, because uh, the other week, because he can't get A-list guests. He cannot get A-list guests. Who's he get the other week? Lorraine Kelly. Who's he got coming up? Britt Eklund. Britt Eklund? Good God, she was a has-been 20 years ago. What in God's name? I mean, they must have run out of ideas. They must sit in the office going, Britt Eklund, he must have gone, is she still alive? I mean, she must be 70, I should imagine. No, she is. She's 70. Look at the good guess. Good guess, Stephen. Who won the Dancing on Ice? Anybody know? Have we had the Dancing on Ice final? Was it one as we predicted by the soap star? It's always been won by a soap star, and if it is, then we then we, we predicted at the beginning of the series on this programme who would win the Dancing on Ice, because it's fiddled. That's what it is. It's fiddled because they want the person to go through who they think they can get some mileage out of. And I did say, I think it was Matt Lapinska or something, who can who can skate. He can quite clearly skate. Samia Garda, who can't skate for... Tr- You'd be better off standing on a skateboard and pushing her out onto the ice, because that was about as good as it got, I'm afraid. And you keep Keith Chegwin on because he had novelty value, but the rest of them, you just pff, just get rid of, I'm afraid. Just get rid of. And if, if he won it, then you know it's a fiddle, because he fell over the other week. He should have been kicked out, but they didn't. They decided to save him, because presumably you can't have somebody stupid winning it. That would make a mockery of the series, and they're trying to get an audience. Can't be that easy, can it? Cannot be that easy, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I got... I feel a bit privileged, actually. It's a bit naughty. But, um... I've uh, I've got a big doctor's thing today, so I've had to do, you know, wee-wee. And I've got the blood test as well. And I lost my blood testing meter. Because uh, if you're diabetic or various other people, you have this thing which tests your blood. And you get a little box. They're generally quite cheap, about 20 quid. Very cheap. And what you do is you... Um, it's a little electronic machine. You have a little, what they call a pricker. I know you can have these in garden centres as well, where they prick out the little things, and then it's a little like a dibber thing. But this is a little thing which has got a needle in it, and you change the needle on a regular basis, preferably every day, and you load it up, and it's, it's spring-loaded. It sounds, it sounds like... I'll show you what it sounds like. It sounds like this. So I put a needle in, OK, and you load it on the thing, and then you push the button. Wait a minute. And that action shoots the needle into your finger and produces, when you squeeze your finger, a drop of blood. It's the same if you donate blood, I suppose. And you get this little thing, and it's, I don't know what they, what they call this thing. I just, they always say, pain-free blood testing. Ha! Ha! I don't think so. <laughs> this shooting into your finger with a needle, you go, ow! But it's a bit like a stapler, but this one apparently you can use on your arm as well. I've never thought about using it on your arm. So anyway, so I was quite excited. So I go into the chemist, I go into goods, and I say, um, I've lost my blood machine, can I have a, I'll buy a new blood machine, and uh, it's got to fit the cartridges. So, anyway, they didn't have one. And he said, wait a minute, we've just had these in, and it's called a super check. And it, it's, it's quite posh, actually. This this one is in, it's like, well, it looks chrome, but it's not, it's plastic. And this one talks. This one talks, Jeff. I've never had one that talks. And it's designed for people who maybe don't have particularly good eyesight or elderly people. 
And so it comes with strips, and so you put it in there, and in six seconds, it tells you what your blood reading is supposed to be. And it's called Supercheck 2. And, uh, and I've got this one. And what you do is you take a little... We've, we've done this on air before. You take a little strip out of the little box, trying not to uh, get too much air in there. OK, so you do that. And you pop this thing in, I think, like... Isn't that so exciting? She, she talks to you. So you then load up the little thing here, and you stick it on your finger, and you push the button. This one, this one I'm going to swear. Ah! OK, and then you squeeze out a drop of blood, and you drop it on the end of the machine. Like, like, something like this. Like that. Yes, I think she's just about doing it. I'm not sure she's actually aware of this, this blood in the machine at the moment. She's not having much luck, I'm afraid, at doing it. Oh, no. It's, well, it's, I'm, I'm waiting for it to count down, but it's, it's not counting down. So she's supposed to be all ready for this thing, and she's not. So she speaks to you to start with, then you put the drop of blood on, and then, in theory, she's supposed to count it down, but she hasn't done. She's, she's being very, very naughty today, and I don't know why she's not, not doing it. Isn't it funny? Because yesterday she was perfect. Every single time I did it, she was perfect. She spoke back to me. I did it yesterday three times, just to just to get used to it. Because you have to. It's it's the it's the fact that it hurts. Ah, <laughs> you have to try not to sweat. But it's also getting enough blood out of your blooming finger, which is very very tedious. There we are. Now 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 she's counting down. So she's got three three seconds. Then she will tell me what the blood reading is. This is absolutely atrocious. This is absolutely... It's supposed to be six. OK, so you know this morning... Yes, goodbye. Uh, you know this morning it's going to be absolutely chronically awful because uh, I'm so far up. You know, I, I never have... I never, I never go low. I just go up, I'm afraid, in all my things. And today's not... I don't have to do fasting day today. We've decided we're, we're not really going to bother about it, but we are doing blood later on. So 14 is absolutely terrible. Now, it might be to do with the fact that I've had two lots of porridge with strawberries in. Now, the porridge bit is all right. I think it's the strawberries that probably aren't so good. And then we might have been a little bit lax in another department, which we can't tell you about. But anyway, all of that to one side. So it's like, so at least she talks to you and makes you feel a bit better about life. Well, not as the case may be. So four t- I knew it was going to be higher. This- I just knew. No, you don't need to plaster it. It's only a, it's only a little prick. And uh, you just sort of lick the, uh, the remainder of your hand. Anyway, apart from that, that was Saturday. Then I went out Saturday night. Then yesterday, because it was such a glorious day, I mean, it really was, it was really such a nice day. And I didn't really watch much television over the weekend, except this morning. And I always have to come out. I have to come to work with this good documentary. And it was a documentary on Brian Epstein and the Beatles. And on the strength of it, they mentioned a book. Halfway through, they pick up this book. It's an old, must have been made donkey's years ago when he was alive. And, um, and it was called A Cellar Full of Noise. And it's the autobiography of Brian Epstein. It's his story. So I immediately go onto Amazon to try and find this thing. Well, you can find it. Copies go from £17.50 up to £450, because it's quite clearly a much sought-after book. So I paid twenty two fifty, and I bought this book. And I'm looking forward to reading it, because I'd, I'd never heard of it before. Cellar Full of Noise, of course, was a line from a Petula Clark song. And uh, so, so when I get this book in, I'm very much... I'm, my, my friend Graham would go crackers for this book, because he loves anything to do with the Beatles. And it was the Beatles conquering America. And it's the uh, the story of that. Really, really good. Well done, incidentally, to all the people who landed prizes in the What's On Stage Awards. And bad news for Trevor Bayliss. Trevor Bayliss has got no money. 
even though he sold millions of his wind-up radios around the world, he's flat broke. I remember somebody saying to me, they said, oh, Trevor Bayliss, he's worth millions. I said, I don't think so. Because what, what happened was, he invented the wind-up radio, and then what another company does is they come along and they change one or two little things inside it. And immediately, that doesn't become his anymore. And so he lost out on millions, millions and millions. Big companies just ripped him off. And it's a, it's a great shame. I've been to Trevor Bayliss' house. He thinks he might have to sell it. Um, it is a dump. The house, because he's got no money, he's flat broke. How's he supposed to live? I went to his house, we did a documentary on him. Because he invented the wind-up radio. And uh, it helped a lot of people out in Africa. The house is a dump. They say it's got a five-metre swimming pool. It's, frankly, it's a hole in the ground, which you've got to step round to get into the sitting room. I mean, it's, it's, no, he hasn't moved. He lives on Eel Pie Island. It's a crap dump of a place, okay? It's as simple as that. I mean, it, they say houses on the island have sold for 400,000. Not this one. Not this one. I mean, frankly, you'd have to pull it down to build something else. It's that bad. It really is that bad. And uh, unfortunately, the government don't stand by inventors nowadays, which they should do. You know, there's no point in inventing something and then somebody rips you off. But it's happened a million times. Do you remember that great programme on television? I can't tell you what the name of the High Street Company was, but they had designers. You know, posh British designers. And before they knew what had happened, it turns out that their designs were being sold in a major retailer. A major retailer on the High Street. Copies of their designs. And she went, that's my... That's my swimsuit. That's my dress. And they put them side by side. And it turns out that major retailers, and I mean big retailers, have been ripping people off. And so what they did, they followed it through. They went to a company in Hong Kong and they said, oh, can you make a copy of this? This is a Versace uh, suit for men. Can you make a copy of this? Yes, of course we can. They can copy anything within seconds. And they did. And so they went through... I'll tell you it was. It was Marks and Spencers. They went through Marks and Spencers and they went, but this looks identical to this. And this looks identical to that. And this looks, for God's sake, what are they doing? And the answer is they see something successful and they make their own version of it. And that's the problem, you know, nowadays. The other thing which, which you've surprised me on, as a great British nation, we have all this scandal over horse meat. And immediately the shelves are full of ready meals. Nobody's touching ready meals now. You don't want to touch shepherd's pie. You don't want to touch... Lamb hot pot. You don't want to touch anything from Findus at all because you can't believe a word they're saying. You know, all these different shops have had to come out and go, oh, yes, well, it has been in our products. Have you known about it? Um, they all go round the houses. And the truth of the matter is that horse is quite clearly used as a bulking agent. They put it into food so they can sell you what you think is all beef because they're bloody liars. And it's not. It's horse. It's part meat, part horse. It's a bulking agent. They use it to fill up when they can't be bothered to spend the money. I mean, I've, you know, it's interesting enough when the Iceland boss says he wouldn't eat cheap food. That's all they sell is cheap food. I've been in there before and I bought things and, it's, and the, the picture on the box is more appetising than the item inside. I don't think that's putting too fine a point. But it's aimed at a particular market. It's aimed at the market for people who want to go out there and buy crispy duck for three quid or four quid or whatever it is. Whereas, in fact, it should be six to eight pounds. But they're selling it cheaper. I did buy crispy duck in Iceland. It was blooming awful. It really was awful. It was, I don't think my duck had eaten anything at all. I don't think it had had a, had a very interesting life. So I was slightly worried about it. Slightly worried. So I think now you will buy less processed meat. I don't think you will go... I think burgers are going to suffer. The only way that I'll eat burgers is if I go to a farm shop and I watch them taking a piece of beef, putting it through the mincer and making burgers. Or failing that, selling me the mince and I'll make the burgers. Because I'm not buying anything processed. 
I'm not buying any ready meals off the shelves at all. Nothing. Zilch. Now, whether that's just me being careful or me just being completely over the top, I've got no idea, but I don't want to buy it. because, it, And it's not because I don't want to eat horse, because I've quite clearly eaten it before and it hasn't affected me. I just don't like being lied to by the supermarkets. I don't want to be cheated, and I look on it as being cheated. You know, I'm sure many of you think exactly the same. Exactly the same. I've certainly changed my shopping habits since this horse meat scandal, and I think many of you would have too. Let's take a quick break here, after which we talk about the comic legend that was Richard Briers, following the sad news that he died at the beginning of the week. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. This week, London has been full of fashionistas, models and try-hard celebrities. That's right, it's London Fashion Week and we've had to put up with all the unnecessary wardrobe changes and arbitrary photo opportunities. Here they are, the hottest ticket of London Fashion Week. And uh, Fredo Pinto, Rita Ora, Victoria Pendleton. What the hell she was doing? I've got no idea. She does something with the Olympics, doesn't she? Not anymore. Uh, Kate Kloss, all these people. And no mention of Vic Beckham. I think people would go, I'm sorry, that's a bit low rent, isn't it? She's not really up there with with the fashion icons, I'm afraid. Uh, Here's the um, journalist Sarah Toome standing outside BBC Scotland the other day. She was on picket line. Oh, it's just like it made any difference. Nobody cared about it, love. Nobody really cares. Apparently, the six o'clock news was presented by Chris Rogers, who's always done that. He's always crossed picket line. He didn't care about it. He's just going in there for a gig. Makes no difference at all. And instead of John Humphreys and uh, Evan Davis, uh, it was pre-recorded shows on economics and the resignation of Pope Benedict's. <laughs> Nobody noticed. Nobody noticed at all. Nobody cared about it. There's loads of other things out there. You don't need to listen to the BBC or watch the BBC. We've, we've got other channels now. They don't dominate. They just waste your money. Waste your money. Small wonder that they wanted to get rid of half a dozen journalists. I mean, good God. I mean, these people earn a small fortune. Earn a small fortune. Other stories in the papers today. Um, Tony Sheridan, as you know, has died. Tony Sheridan. Uh, so we've lost three people in two days. Terrible, is it? Derek Beatty from Mr and Mrs. And, of course, from, from The Good Life, Richard Bryars and Tony Sheridan. It was 1961, my bonnet. I think my brother's got a copy of it. I'm pretty certain. And, uh, and the Beatles were uh, an unknown band called the Beatles. And the backing group... Band leader Bert Camfort had talent-spotted Tony Sheridan in Hamburg with the young Fab Four as his house band. Before the records were released in Germany, Camfort changed the latter's name to the Beat Brothers because Beatles sounded too similar to Peedles. I don't know why that... Which is the German slang word for Little Willie. <laughs> that's why they couldn't use it. Oh, that's why. Very funny. Uh, breakfast muesli could be wrecking your diet. You know people eat muesli for breakfast. There's probably some of you now just about to, to tuck in to muesli. Well, apparently, it's um, manufacturers are failing to include calorie content of fibre or roughage on labels. The result is that people who eat healthy foods like muesli or bran may be taking in far more invisible calories than they think. So muesli, fattening. 
Because you do sometimes see, don't you? It makes me laugh. You see people going into, into Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, three, 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 um, four, 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 oh, six, uh, six pieces and three, three, uh, three, three, three lots of chips. And uh, Diet Coke. And they think that makes a difference. People think that if, if you eat very fatty food, and Kentucky Fried Chicken, no doubt in my mind whatsoever, it is very, very fatty. Take, take the nice tasting skin off, and that's fine. You should never eat the skin on, on chicken at all. But the, the, they sell it to you, and that's why so many people going in there are just really... I mean, they've had to widen the seats in our one. We've got so many lardies that come in from all sorts of places. They're not... They're not Twic- Twickenham people are very thin and svelte and, uh, and quite, quite fit-looking, or well, some of them, uh, especially in the fish shop. And so they've, they, so they've got all these people in there, and then they, ha- they, they think that if you drink a Diet Coke, that means that you're going to be thin and skinny. And, of course, it doesn't work like that. You know, people become addicted. I'm so glad I'm not addicted to, to fizzy drinks. I was never, even as a child, I wasn't particularly bothered by fizzy drinks. We had Corona, um, and that was about it. We didn't have all the stuff. I look now in the news agents, and I look at this bewildering array of fluorescent-coloured drinks, which looks amazing. I mean, it, it really does look fantastic. Really does look fantastic. But I just couldn't drink any of it. I tried some lemonade about two years ago and only passed out with so much sugar in it. And I just had it as a little, a little taste. And then I've discovered I can't eat much fruit as well now. That seems to affect me as well quite quickly because of the fructose. You think if you eat fruit, it's healthy. Well, grapes are really bad for me. Uh, strawberries are OK, but I mean, literally only a couple a day. Any more than that, I can make myself quite ill, I'm afraid. Booker Prize should be Booker Dano, says Claude, as in Hawaii Five O. This is Hilary Mantle. I mean, it's such a horrid thing to say. It's so unusual, isn't it? Normally the Booker Prize people you've never heard of before. And you couldn't care less because 90% of you will never read any of their books. Richard and Judy might read them. Well, I think Rich, I think actually Richard's sort of out most of the time and Judy sort of sits at home immersing herself in, in a good book. Uh, why was it that the 70s were, were so good? As somebody pointed out to me, I mean, they really are. Flares, tank tops, dodgy hair... Power cuts, but we nailed it, says Alan, with sitcoms. And The Good Life was up there with the best of them. The episode that sticks in my mind is when Tom gets Margot drunk on his homemade wine. Rest in peace, Richard Bryars, a comedy giant. Yeah, he was just... he was just nice. I want to know, though, why Felicity Kendall and him lost contact, and why... There must be something, mustn't there? There must be some reason... Of course, I'm now, I'm now intrigued by it. I've now got a, a very much, you know, sort of going on in my head. So I'm sort of thinking, was she, was she not very pleasant? Because he was really pleasant. So she's disappeared from his life, he said during that interview. Disappeared from my life. Uh, a parking warden slapped a ticket on Kevin Rogers' car. Uh, he was visiting his father in hospital, who's got terminal cancer. He expected a routine appointment for an update, but the admission, uh, the consultant took Kevin to one side and gave him the terrible news. As it was sinking in, he ran back to the vehicle, uh, realising that his one-hour ticket was about to expire, and he got a £60 fine on the windscreen. Now, I cannot, unfortunately, side with this man. I know it seems awful, but unfortunately, the fact that your father is dying has got nothing to do with the ticket. I know it's, it's one in a million, isn't it? Something like that. But it's got nothing to do with it at all. And, you know, the, 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 the traffic warden doesn't go, oh, is this somebody who's being told their father's dying in hospital? No. He sees a car with an expired ticket. He gives it a parking ticket. Kevin 
uh, appeal through an ombudsman. He said, I've paid it now, but I'm sickened and disgusted. My dad died just days later. It's a complete disgrace, and I can't believe this company's allowed to operate. Well, you're stupid then. I'm terribly sorry, Kevin, but, you know, if you go into a hospital car park, right, your father is dying, or he's been told he's got terminal cancer, and you put a one-hour ticket on your car, well, you're not really thinking of staying very long in the hospital or something. So the consultant takes you to one side and says this. How is the traffic warden who polices the car park supposed to know the, the history of everybody who goes into her? He's not. Traffic wardens, and listen, I mean, generally speaking, I'm on the side of, you know, of, of the motorists. I think we get a, a real bum deal from traffic wardens. But to be honest with you, he doesn't know everybody's medical history. Did you put on the windscreen, in getting details, a father dying of terminal cancer? No. He goes round, the car, you know, you can look at any car. But, you know, but you've chosen to moan about it, and quite rightly so. You've had to pay it. That's what the thing is. They're not there to do, you know, because there must be loads of people going to hospital. Yeah, I mean, to only put a, a, an hour on the car quite clearly means you weren't planning on spending a lot of time with your father. You know, why didn't you put two hours on there, or three hours? Whenever I go out in town, if I put the car on a metre, and I'm going out for lunch with, with friends, or people I've just met, or whatever it happens to be, I'll always think, right, lunch. I never put an hour on, on, the, on the metre. I'll always do three hours. Or sometimes I'll do the maximum. So just in case it's a really, really good lunch, I've got enough time. But for an hour... You know, it's ridiculous. So anyway, um, he, he didn't um, he didn't pay it straight away. And so he got £120. Because <laughs> he didn't pay it within 14 days. He said they should consider showing compassion in the light of why I was late back to the car. No, why? It's not their business to do that. They're patrolling a car park. Otherwise, somebody come back. Listen, how many times have you seen, Kevin, at the airport? People go there. We saw it with the EasyJet programme. Hello, welcome to EasyJet. Have you flown EasyJet before? You know, they stand there, these sort of over-made-up little mannequins. And, uh, EasyJet... Um, no, the flight's closed, I'm afraid. Don't be sorry about that. You can't fly on this flight today because it's closed. And they go, um, but I've got to go to a funeral. And you know they're lying. You know they're lying. If you've got to go to a funeral, book on a proper airline. You know, oh, I'm going to my daughter's wedding. Liar. Liar. People tell lies, unfortunately. And unfortunately, in your case, Kevin, stop being little Miss Moni. Okay? Get your knickers out that little twist they're in and accept the fact that the traffic warden has no idea what you're in hospital for. It's not his business. He's not nosy. He doesn't go around there and go, I'm sorry, have you just been told terminal cancer? You know, it doesn't work like that. Your ticket was out of date. You'd overstayed your welcome. And it's no good running back and going, oh, my father had terminal cancer. That's got nothing to do with the traffic. He doesn't know your family. He's there to patrol the car park. And it's just unfortunate. Next time, put two hours on. You know, and then say to the consultant, listen, I've only got two hours on the metre. Can we do this quickly? You know, and then perhaps go round to the traffic warden. I mean, really, you should go and thank that traffic warden. Because he's made you out, really. I mean, he's, he's just done his job. And you've just come over as a moaning old Mary in the paper. It's very sad, but he's not to know that. This is uh, Lee Arnold and Neil Barnard. 23 and 24, and they have just been crowned Britain's biggest bromance. Uh, because they really are, unlike some people who pretend in television programmes because they're egotists, these two live and work together. Uh, they're rarely out of each other's sight. 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and they, uh, they've been known to read together in bed. They're not gay. They're straight. They've got girlfriends and everything. And uh, Neil is currently teaching Lee the acoustic guitar. They just get on very well. He said, he's my best mate and I love him. Not enough blokes say that about their friends. And so Neil has moved in with Lee and his girlfriend, Jay, just over a month ago. And they get on really, really well. 
and they won a, a lavish bromance dinner. The, the other night, his mum phoned me up saying, do you want to come to a Ronan Keating concert? They get on really well. Really, but they're not gay. You know, they, they, they want that on record that they are not gay. They just get on really well together. And uh, it's interesting, actually. It's, isn't it awful? Isn't it sad that the Hatch actually said, we're not gay, you know. We're not gay. We're just having a bromance, which is, you know, two people. I bruv you, man. I bruv you. I really bruv you. And it's, uh, and it's a bit sad. They, they've had to put pictures of sort of half-naked women on the, on the, uh, the room of their bedroom. And they are astonishing. They spend most, 98% of their waking time together. It's all going to end in tears, isn't it? Richard Bryars. Why was he never knighted? Why was he never knighted? Why, we, we gave him some awards, but to be honest with you, he was happily married, decent. Everybody loved Richard Bryars. And yet, as the comic genius of suburbia, he was never knighted. He should have been. He absolutely should have been. Lovely, lovely man. So, commiserations to his family. But, you know, at least you've been blessed with having a nice dad and somebody who brought pleasure to millions of people. And it was. I mean, I've, I still watch The Good Life. I still have it on my DVD, on my bed. Because I have a DVD on my bed. And I do watch The Good Life. They don't make comedy sitcoms like they used to. And I don't doubt sales of The Good Life will have skyrocketed this week. A great loss with the passing of Richard Bryars. Don't forget, at six we have In Conversation, and on today's show we catch up with singer Toya and Birds of a Feather actress Linda Robson. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, here's the LBC News at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. You're listening to the best bits of Steve Allen from the week. At six this morning, we're in conversation with Toya, whose theatre tour, Hormonal Housewives, starts at uh, the beginning of March, and Linda Robson, who's taking Birds of a Feather out on tour with the team. But for now, let's carry on with my best bits. And this week saw the weather take a sudden, very cold turn for the worse. Yesterday, God, it was cold. It was freezing. I left here yesterday morning, because ha- I've got... Some interviews to record this week. I've got one uh, tomorrow for In Conversation and one on Friday. For In Conversation. Sorry, I just slurped my tea. Sorry, the, the excitement of having Howl round. And, um, and, and I left here and I thought, you know, I wish I'd put my hat on. But I didn't bring my hat in yesterday because I, I came out and got straight in the car and just and pootled in. I'm big into hats now because if you don't have much hair, which Duncan and I do not, um, then you, you have to put a hat on because it's cold out there. And when I stepped off the train at Twiggy, it was blooming cold. And I went, oh, dear, you could feel it through your bones. Very smart. Covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? You don't, people, you know, you're wearing a hat. People don't know if you're having a bad hair day or a good hair day. Makes no difference at all. I used to have bad hair days when my hair was longer. Because being blonde, yeah, I was. I was. Um, my hair was very fine. Blonde-haired people have got very fine hair. Unless they're sort of bleach blonde like most of the cast of The Only Way is Essex. And I was delighted to report, I'm sorry, I have to do it with a smile, that poor old Lauren Goodyear, the foul-mouthed old fishwife, only 30 people turned up to the book signing. Oh, dear Lauren. So, nobody interested. As indeed we predicted. The public are finally getting wise to the fact that all you lot are just trying to rip them off. Bring out your books and sort of tell us your dreary life stories. I'm afraid, uh, you know, I'm, you know hope, it, hope it fails. Oh, and Cara Kilby has left The Only Way is Essex. And uh, about time, too, she was totally a waste of space, also a drunk driver, convicted. So they've decided um, 
that she she goes. So, whoosh, gone. Never to be heard of ever again. Please, God. Don't want people like that, do we? So, uh, so where was it? Oh, yes, so, yes, you're very, very cold. And, uh, and I didn't feel very well yesterday. And so I fell asleep in front of the television, because it was so cold. I fell asleep in front of the television. I didn't put the heating on. I can understand how elderly people, you know, fall asleep in, in cold weather, because it makes you drowsy, and it made me drowsy. And then the phone rang, and it was somebody from work, and we were sort of chatting away, and I was explaining about the fact that the last... Uh, the last test with the doctor hadn't been particularly brilliant. You know, it was OK. We might have problems with, um, with sort of kidneys, but that's, a, that's unfortunately something from, from diabetes anyway. So we'll, we'll see what we, what we do with that one. And uh, <coughs> so then I thought, I'd better go out for a walk. So uh, I got the bus to Richmond. <laughs> Didn't do that much walking, but I walked round Richmond trying to find a pair of trainers. Because yesterday I found these Dunlop trainers, Green Flash. So I've ordered them from Amazon. But they come for another company. And, and then I thought, right, I, I like that. They, they look like they've got Velcro. And when you get to a certain age, ladies and gentlemen, we don't do laces. I don't want to do laces, have to keep bending down, doing up laces again. I could do it years ago. I can't do it now. So I want Velcro. So I've ordered these things, and hopefully they should be here in a couple of days. My book about uh, the Beatles, A Cellar Full of Noise, Brian Epstein's semi-autobiographical work, has arrived as well. It's in paperback, so I'm a little bit fed up with that, because I paid serious money. It was 7 and 11 pence. Is it seven and... Wait a minute, I'll tell you exactly how much it was. I'll tell you what I paid for it as well. Um, yeah, Bri- Brian Epstein. When this book came out... Look at it, little thin thing. Hardly anything in it. pound twenty-five. How much did I pay for it? £22.50. If you'd, if you'd had the presence of mind to save these things years and years ago, you'd be on to a winner. An absolute winner. I can't... It's, you know, if you only ever read one book about the Beatles, this would be the book... This would be Brian Epstein's book, A Cellar Full of Noise. It was a line, wasn't it, from a Petula Clark song? A cellar full of noise, got an atmosphere of its own. I know a place where the boomerang is fine. I think it's that one. Might have been another one. Anyway, apart from that, we've got the papers to look through. And, uh, and all, the, all the poor reps, thousands of British ski reps, might have to come home. Might have to come home, and that, that's what the chalet girls do. We go out on the piste. And uh, apparently they've been told they're breaking the law by showing tourists around the resorts because they're not qualified to French standards. I don't know what a French standard is, ladies and gentlemen, but I suspect it's not too high, put it that way, and probably involves a bottle of Beaujolais Nouveau and probably some onions and garlic and stuff like that. That'd be French standard. Oh, this is the piste and the snow. And you come down. You can imagine what it's like, can't you? Poor old soul. So I think the French are really taking le piste on that one, which is the headline on Metro this morning. Uh, then there's a picture of Chucky. Well, it's not Chucky. It's that uh, that uh, Miss, Miss Man- Mantell woman the other day who's been roundly criticised by everybody. My God, she's ugly. And uh, she was doing her little thing, bang out of order. Perhaps she'd had a drink. I don't know. But anyway, you look at a picture of her and you think, well, I mean, there's nothing we can do to save you, dear. You might have won a book a prize, but for 90% of this country, they really couldn't give a forex about you. We're much more interested in the Duchess of Cambridge and the fact she looks lovely. And the fa- I mean, she was criticised by that fashion design of having too many clothes. Vivian Westwood, wasn't it? Vivian Westwood was criticising her, going, oh, she's got too many. And you look at Vivian Westwood, who looks like the worst bag lady you've ever seen. Anybody who's so badly dressed, you wouldn't want anywhere near you. And I, and I have to laugh. They go, of course, it's Dame Vivian Westwood now. And you go, For what? For designing that? You know, there's something stylish about the Duchess of Cambridge. In our mind, you know, we aren't the majority. You know, we are the majority of this country. That's why we like her. 
You know, if you ask people, you know, who do you think's better dressed, the Duchess of Cambridge or Vivian Westwood, the Duchess of Cambridge is going to win hands down. Even if you're blind, you're going to vote for her because she's got style. Vivian Westwood, I just thought, was a pretentious old poser who came up with a few crackpot ideas for the catwalk, which goes very well in certain quarters. Don't get me wrong. I just don't understand that kind of stuff. You look at people walking down the catwalk wearing these bizarre outfits and you think, well, I've never seen anybody wearing this out on the street. I've seen a few odd people in London, because it's London Fashion Week, and round this building you do get some pretty odd-looking clothes. OK, I don't want to name names or point fingers or direct you to certain websites, you know, to do with the company, but there are certain people around here who have got no idea how to dress. It's almost like they opened the wardrobe door and sort of did voodoo to try and get something out there that vaguely made them look interesting. It's You know, it's very difficult to try and... to try and get... The right thing. I mean, downstairs... Yes, I know. Sven's uniform was designed by the wanted. Sven, who does our our coffee shop... Well, he's had a couple of days off. Well, we call it rehab. And uh, so he he was in there, but his uniform was designed by the wanted. And it's it's basically... Oh, the wanted stylist. That's right, yes. But it's basically a a sweaty-type shirt and a pair of jeans. (laughs) I didn't quite see that that was being designed, but... I like it when they do these makeover programmes on the telly. You know when they do a makeover programme, they go, right, we're going to take you now, and then we're going to open the doors, and people are going to go, oh, my God, you look amazing. All these years you've looked ugly. And you see that snog, marry, avoid programme, which is now hosted by somebody different. It was hosted, it was better before by Jenny Frost or something. I don't know who actually, was it Liz Liz McClarnon did it? And it was lovely. And they would get all these people who were show-offs, because I've seen various people on that programme, on various other programmes, including uh, quite a number of sort of silly little gay boys appearing on there who sort of think, you know, it's just... They go on... Te- they want to be on television. And so they go there, and they always go to the same places. Liverpool, Cardiff and Manchester. Because Cardiff, I mean, you can find the dregs of humanity in Cardiff. Manchester, again, depending on which area you go to and which show they're filming at the time, there will be people there who you could put on television. And they want to go on television. They want to be seen to be behaving badly. For some reason, and I don't know why, they, they, they go to these places and they find people. It's like in Essex. I've said to you countless times, nobody in Essex, a proper Essex person, has anything to do with the only way is Essex. The only people who have anything to do with the only way is Essex are the trolls who appear in the programme. The silly little over-made-up tarts. The drunk drivers. The foul-mouthed old bags who can't walk two paces. You know, how to trowel your makeup on and look like a drag queen. And that's Chloe Sims. You know, it's a shame, really, that nobody has said to them, listen, you need to learn to do your makeup properly. You need to make sure that you look, you know, classy. Unfortunately, they do not look classy. They can't help it. They just look like the proverbial old dog's dinners. And when we went out to this hotel on Saturday night in London, there was a whole load of them. So, you know, I, I just, I worry about it. I worry about it. Oh, 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 must tell you. Must tell you. Darren Brown. Do you remember I told you the story the other day of Darren Brown, who in his latest show is going to make a straight man into a gay guy? And I said, to be honest with you, you don't need to hypnotise somebody. Four pints generally is enough to turn a straight guy into a gay guy. And uh, Darren went on Twitter yesterday and has denied the fact that he's going to be doing this, because it would probably be too silly. Far too silly. I see that they've uh, tried to recreate the Les Miserables poster, and they've got uh, Arge. Do you know, this? he pitched up on the television the other day, poor old Arge. He is so boring. No personality whatsoever. 
uh, Joey Essex and Sam Fayers, Mario Falcone. It's all a bit tragic, really, because uh, Arge is just that silly fat bloke. With n- I mean, he was so dull on this programme, he contributed nothing. Lucy Mecklenburg, as you know, is like a, like a small child, I'm afraid. Mario Falcone is just not all there in the brain department. And as for silly little Joey the Girl Essex, with this camp hairstyle... Although it's obviously caught on, because I saw somebody else with it. That's where you leave it all on the top and then shave it all round the sides. Of course, it suits people, but not if you've got no personality. Sam for ears. That'll be that over... Bl- I mean, to be honest with you, I can't believe it's a woman. I can't- I've seen that advert on the television. I can't believe it's not butter. And I cannot believe she's a woman. I think she's a sex change. I think she's had one of those little operations. She's been over to Switzerland. Went to get herself a Toblerone. Got sort of sidelined into a clinic and came back looking like that. And so they've got her and poor little Josephine Essex, and they go out together and they sort of do a fake relationship, and Lucy Mecklenburg is... I don't know when they've ever used her for modelling. I, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time, poor soul. It's a tragic picture. Tragic. But it's it's Arge. You know, James Arge Argent. What is that, a five-year-old thing they do at school or something? Steve, Stevie Allen. You know, I mean, it's that kind of thing. You know, cat... Catherine Farn, you know, it's, it's the same, it's the same kind of thing. James Arge Argent, you know, a man who is so boring. I really find it difficult to believe that he's made it through to adulthood. Although listening to him speak, he doesn't have anything to say for himself. Nothing. I mean, he is so dull. It's, it's really, I mean, remedial, ladies and gentlemen, remedial. There's no hope for some people. We'll have another quick break here, after which I give you my analysis of the Brit Awards. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. This week, I made a new discovery in my search for good trainers, and I just had to tell you about it. I discovered Sports Direct. I'm ever so excited. I'd never been there before. My friend John said, you know, so I was looking for a pair of trainers, you know, to get fit for it. And, um, and he said, oh, up in the Ivy Bridge estate, heading towards Hounslow, luckily via the back route, um, there's, uh, there's a Sports Direct. And I went, oh, right. He said, they might do your trainers up there, because, you know, I bought these Dunlop trainers, Green Flash I think they're called. £36, £3.99 postage and packing should be here tomorrow. So I thought, if I go up there, I can buy two pairs. So he said, they, they do lots of trainers. So I go in there. I've never been in this place before. I've seriously, I mean, it's, it's not the sort of place I would go in because I don't possess trainers. And I'm not generally the sort of person who would be seen in there, seeing as the average age is about 12. So I go in there and I'm having, let me just sign in, hang on. I'm, I'm having a, a good look around. And, and I find what I think are my trainers, but they're made by Slazinger who make, the, I think, the uh, the tennis rackets and everything else. And so I thought, Slazenger, they're nice. And they've got the Velcro bits over the top. Three, three, and I looked at them and it said, I think they were something like 42 quid. And I thought, oh, that's OK. And then I looked at the side of the box and it said 19.99. And it's all discounted in there. And I thought, this is brilliant. So anyway, so I take them up to the till and the woman sort of says, if I buy this bag, I get another discount on top of that. There was 10% off or something. Anyway, in the end, I paid just under 10 quid for a pair of trainers. I couldn't believe it. I thought people are always telling me how much they actually spend on training. You know, this pair costs £100, this pair costs 60 quid. And I've just paid a tenner for a pair of Slazenger. I mean, even if they wear out in a month, 
I can throw them out and buy another pair for a tenner. It's cheaper than the socks I'm getting through. It's brilliant. I was very excited. And I bumped into a friend of mine, Nick, who works up there as well. Security. And um, all in all, I came home very happy. They came in a box. They even had a, a security tag on them. I mean, it was taken off in the shop quite clearly. But I thought, £10. It's, I mean, it's just worth it for that. And then he wore them into to work today, but I don't want to look to And they're white. So I don't want to wear them in the rain because they're going to get dirty and stuff like that. But I thought, tenner, so cheap. I, was, I, was, I, was, I might go up there again, actually, and perhaps buy some football outfits. I could turn up to work here in a Chelsea outfit, Chelsea strip. That'll, that'll crease them up here, I'll tell you. And then, of course, the Brits last night. And people asked me, I mean, you know, a dumb question to ask Steve Allen. Did you watch the Brits? Do I look like the sort of person or sound like the sort of person who'd be interested in the Brits? No, I was interested in the pictures which are in the papers. I love the picture of the papers. And then upstairs, I found on the charity desks some magazines I've got. And, and they're all old. This one's from uh, December. This one's from... I think they're all from December, actually. So I've got to put them back on the desk. All the girls up there like reading them. And it's got all sorts of stuff on there. You know, the, the stupidest showbiz stories. And then, you know, glamour model and former I'm a Celeb star Nicola McLean shows us around her pokey matchbox of a house. Quite clearly, she's at the low-end rent of the thing because she's got a cheap tatty tree, a very, very small pokey sitting room and a piddly little kitchen. Obviously not very successful, eh, Nicola? Shame that, dear. But, uh, and then they've got loads of... Pi- There's some pictures of the paper today of various people. Then they've got the old dogs from Geordie Shore. You know, I mean, if ever you want to see a low-rent programme, this is it. Blokes and women included. Uh, One Direction was singing last night. My Perfect Night In. Well, this is somebody called Tom from TOWIE. Who's he? I've got no idea who he is. He's 22. He loves pool parties with his mates. He looks a bit gay. But uh, Joey Argent Diags. Diags? What sort of name is that? Where's that come from? We always have a laugh. If there could be a swimming pool involved, so much the better. I miss the pool parties we used to have at Joey's place. Oh dear, you're out the loop then, darling. Uh, he likes the honeys, the sugar hut honeys. God, blimey, I tell you, that's where they go, is it? Whew, dear, you often wonder what happens to failed lap dancers pitching up here. And he's got a tattoo. Do you know what he's got written on his tattoo? Explain this one to me. I mean, we think some people are stupid. Poor old Tom's a bit dim as well. Mango ice tea. That's what he's got written on his foot. Mango ice tea. There's nothing like looking thick, is the Tom? And being thick. He went on holiday to Ibiza. He likes uh, French bread pizza. It's quick and easy. Oh, he's really intelligent, that one, isn't he? I'd never heard of him before, but anyway. He's, he's doing the rounds at the moment in the old magazine. And there's a picture today. In one of the pa- where, is, where is it? Where is it? It's one of the, uh, the papers. Oh, Denise Van Outen has bombed in her first major film role. It took £602 at the box office. Run for your wife, which got openly panned by everybody. They said Denise Van Outen and Sarah Harding need to go and get acting lessons. You know, it was a very famous farce years ago. Um, Just awful. The roguish lead character, Cabby, played by Danny Dyer, was as lovable as decomposing roadkill. It gives you a rough idea. And it's it's stuffed. They say it's misogynistic, homophobic... They say, perhaps never in the field of light entertainment have so many actors sacrificed so much dignity in the cause of so few jokes. A real turkey. But nobody ever said that Denise Van Atten was an actress, did they? They all think it's Sarah Harding thinks she's an actress. I think not, love. I think not. Uh, poor old Prince Harry learning nothing. Learning nothing. Somebody said on the television the other day, if you don't want to appear in the sun showing your bum, 
to a few scrawny old birds in Las Vegas. Don't show your bum to a few scrawny old birds in Las Vegas. And here he is again because he moaned like a big old girl's blouse, didn't he? The press intrusion, it was private, it was this and that. So here he is on the ski slopes, draping himself over this new girlfriend called Cressida Bonus. There's a name you can make things up with, I'm sure. And, um, and here he is. The 28-year-old royal grabbed his gorgeous new flame. She's very plain. Very plain. You know, she might have a posh name like Cressida, but believe you me, it's plain. And so she's in here. Oh, lots of uh, pictures of, of the Brits. Uh, Perry Edwards, little Mick. What were you wearing, love? This is one with the purple hair who's going out with... Is it Zane who cheated on her? And, uh, oh, I don't know what you were wearing, love. I really don't know what you were wearing. But it was very funny, and everybody's pointed, um, pointed out today just how, how funny it is. Which is great. There was one picture I was keeping, actually. There was one picture, and it was, it was somebody interesting. I knew it was somebody you'd all be interested in this morning. Uh, apart from Prince Harry on the front of all the papers again, Catherine Zeta-Jones trying to save her marriage, they've said. Although the, uh, the management agent have said, listen, there is nothing the matter with their marriage whatsoever. Uh, that's good. Uh, also, <clears throat> the trial of Chris Hune's ex-wife, Vicky Price, ended in fiasco when the jury asked the judge a series of bizarre questions and failed to reach a verdict. I loved it. I loved being on jury service. I'd recommend it to everybody. Oh, that's right. There's a picture of some old well past her sell-by. And who is it here? And it's... Oh, good. It's Joanne Beckham. Proving that there's only room in the family for one person with looks, and it ain't you, love. Staggering out of a club with... I mean, just an embarrassment. I mean, really. Celebrating her 31st birthday. You're a bit old for clubs, aren't you, love, at 31? And also, no bra... I mean, dear God, what do you look like? We know that you've desperately hung around in Dave's shadows, but frankly, the only thing you've got in common is the surname. I mean, the rest of you... I mean, this neckline here is way too low. Way too low. Especially for an old bag of your age. You're 31. Good Lord. I mean, no amount of booby tape could ever save you. They say more birthday suit than birthday girl. But the trouble is, when you're 31 and you're drunk coming out of a club and you look a bit well the worse for wear, and you're wearing this naff outfit here, I mean, she was in London's West End. Apparently she lost three stone last year. <laughs> I fail to see why that's relevant to anything at all. But Dick, if you'd looked at it, you've gone, you look like one of those poor old has-been wags. But uh, no, poor old David Beckham's sister. <sighs> Dear me, I don't know. I don't know. Brian Reed talks about uh, Nadine Dorris. Can't stand her. Cannot stand her. Luckily, we're in keeping with the rest of the country. You can't stand her either. And in Penland and Summerlad investigating in the mirror today, they've exposed an agency. And uh, it appears to be run by Debbie King. Now, Debbie King, if memory serves me, used to be on the television doing these roulette things or something or gambling or something on the television I'm pretty certain and then didn't she marry the bloke out of G4 the blonde pretty one the lead singer I'm pretty certain Debbie King married him anyway uh, she's she's not uh, not emerged from this with any sense of glory at all I'm afraid it's it's around a model agency who charge for pictures for portfolios and I've said to you before Nobody ever charges for, for pictures. If they want to take you on, they will take you on and they'll arrange the photo shoot. If you have to pay for it, it's a rip-off. OK? Don't ever, ever pay for pictures. If somebody wants to take you on, 
you know, if you want to pay for pictures with them, that's up to you. It's your business. I can't stop you doing it. But uh, these agencies, they don't get you work. They just go, oh, there's lots of jobs in, in entertainment, in casting. Casting directors always looking for people. Join us. And, of course, 90% of companies like the BBC and ITV and all the other ones, they use the same casting directors who go through books like Show Call and, uh, and they pick out the right people. And 90% of these other agencies are just rip-offs. You'll never get any work whatsoever, but you'll have paid, you know, up to two grand for a set of photographs. Not the best thing, is it? Oh, here's a picture of an ugly bloke. Who's he? Oh, it's Ryan Lewis. Ryan Lewis is a... Well, let's, let's just say he comes from a travelling community, which means he moves around from place to place. He's a petrol thief. That's what he does. He's converted his all-too-gay pink van to carry 4,550 litres. And what he did... He drives into garages, little thieving tow rag, and he fills up the van with as much petrol as he can get away with, and then he drives off. And he's, he's driven off from loads of... They reckon he can actually get a 1,000 gallons from four courts at any one time. And then he goes and sells it to other people. Each haul is worth about £6,500. Anyway, he's, uh, he's spending time in prison now, which is good news. 1,000 gallons in a Ford Transit in a Ford Focus. When he was arrested, detectives discovered this huge tank... In the, in the back of the wagon. We were laughing about this yesterday. I was talking about the fact that if I had loads of money, I would love to sit on a plane that's got a bathroom on it with a bath. And you could look out the window. So you could be having a bath and you could stare out the window. And I thought that'd be lovely. And a friend of mine said, well, that wouldn't work, would it? I said, why? Because you'd have all the weight of the water on one side. There'd be a lot of water there. So if the plane banked, it would all tip out and there'd be a disaster. He said, so you'd have to have a shower. And I said, well, I distinctly remember seeing an advert some years ago for Kame soap, where they were sitting there having a bath, and it turns out they were in a plane, and they had his and hers baths, and he said, pass me the soap, darling. And then, and then I think she went on the intercom and said, George, whatever the pilot's name was, take us to Barbados, and the plane banked, but no water was spilt. I said, I want to be like that. I want to be sitting in a bath on an aeroplane with big picture windows looking at, perhaps a small patio garden outside. You know, just to sit there and just sort of watch the world go by. I thought that would be absolutely wonderful. You could spend the entire journey from here to wherever just sitting in the bath. Do you think One Direction was singing at the Brits? Or do you think they were miming? Yeah, I suspect they were all miming, actually. Very few people actually sing live now. And the reason is, if you're running about and jumping up and down, you can't sing. You cannot sing. You haven't got the energy for it. So I'm Madonna. All these people have to do... Oh, good news. Elton John's going to do a couple of HMV gigs... To raise some money in HMV stores. Gary Farrow, who I know and I've known for many, many years, who looks after Elton, um, said he's going to be doing this to raise some, some money. That's good news, isn't it? So we'll keep our eyes peeled for when those gigs actually go ahead and tell you here on LBC 97.3 as soon as possible. Don't forget you can download the full podcast of the show from the LBC 97.3 website, which is lbc.co.uk, as well as the free extra podcast, which is up there every day. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. After the break, you'll hear from Toya Wilcox and Linda Robson for In Conversation. But first, the news at six.